Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Well, happy Sunday, PCC. I want to invite you to join me for the next 25 minutes to fix our hearts and minds on things above. Open your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 5, and I've got a question for you. What is the most famous painting in the Western world? What comes to mind? Arguably, I would say it's Starry Night by Van Gogh. This was painted in 1889, and many call this Van Gogh's magnum opus. It was actually a view from his asylum before sunrise. Now, if you've ever seen the painting, you may have missed a key aspect of it. I know I did before reading an article about it. Look beyond the contrast of the blues and the yellows and its broad brushstrokes. If you zoom in, you'll see and discover that the light is found in every house in the village. But there's no light in the church. You see, Van Gogh had a very strained relationship with formal religion. And he found God to be more present outside the church than within it. So here in one of the most famous paintings in history, the church has no light in it. Oh, what a tragedy. We're in this series on the very same tension to allow the light of Christ to beam out from the church. And friends, you're the church. I'm the church. In Galatians 5, Paul was addressing a similar issue. He was exhorting Christ followers with the key to supernatural living. We see it in Galatians 5, plugging in to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will illuminate through us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And today, this is so needed today, right? Goodness. So I want you to take 60 seconds at the outset of this message. Don't turn to anybody. Think to yourself, where is the light of Christ illuminating through you? And in what areas of your character has the light of Christ gone dark? Ready? Go. All right, welcome back in Live in Grace. So today, I believe, and I'm not overstating this, that the character of goodness is desperately needed. Given our current cultural moment, filled especially with political strife and isolation and uncertainty, our neighbors need to see the light of Christ. Look around, PCC. Do you see the brokenness? I could point to it in five areas. We have a time of economic brokenness and uncertainty, 
political divided brokenness, racial brokenness, families are broken, personal brokenness. Friends, this is not the world God designed, but neither is it the world that God has abandoned. God has a solution for what's broken in our world. He's always at work, and he's all in on a global restoration project. And here's the amazing thing. Believe this, PCC. He is inviting you and me, his church, to join him as a force for good that restores what's broken. I'm so encouraged when I think of how our doors have been closed for seven months, but the church is wide open and restoration is happening in small glimpses. The light is shining, the light of Christ in students, in family, in young adults through the network, through small groups meeting and women's mentoring, older and younger women mentoring, through midweek discussion, through house churches, through feeding programs, restoration is taking place. So as we dive into this word goodness, we face a challenge because the word good is used so often in our culture, it's overused. You know, we ask someone, you good? I'm good. What does that mean? I asked my daughter, how'd you do on the test? I did good. What does that mean? Even in church, we sing, you are good, good, oh, what, what does that mean? What is goodness? Let's look to God's Word, because God's Word defines everything. The Word is always defined in the Bible according to the purpose for which something was created. In other words, intent always informs goodness. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. We have two pugs in the Gadini house, and they're good dogs. By good, I mean they're loyal. Uh, they eat only twice a day. They cuddle with you and they use the dog door when they have to go to the bathroom. That's what makes them good pugs. Now, if I did those things, I wouldn't be good. I would be institutionalized because intent always informs goodness. So in lieu of that, let's start here. God, God is good. Look what it says in Psalm 136.1. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. In Psalm 119, verse 68, it says this, You are good, and what you do is good. See, by saying God is good, the author and we are saying he has perfect moral superiority. He has absolute wisdom. So it just, it just goes, the next correlation is, if God is good, all that is good has to be measured against God. I love how the book that we're reading right now says it. It says, if God is utterly good, then it's not surprising that people who live close to God reflect his character and are marked by the same quality. So here's how we're going to define good. A generous, kind-hearted action for the behalf of others. Or this way, generous, kind-hearted acts for the benefit of others. So I want you to sit and now talk amongst yourselves, what does it look like for our lives to align with God's definition and intent of good? Ready, go.
All right, welcome back. What I want to do for the rest of our time together is bring out two aspects of biblical goodness. And here's the first. Biblical goodness is restorative. You know, in the creation story in the Genesis chapter one, God creates and then seven times God declares, this is good. You see God's heart displayed as he creates humans, puts them in the garden, and then he invites them to join him to order chaos. That's kind of the family business, right? To order chaos for the flourishing of all creation. But Adam and Eve decide, and friends, this is the root of all sin. This is, we do this too, that their definition of good is more wise and more satisfying than God's. So in Genesis, we see sin enter the garden. And here's how I would define sin. Sin is a mutation of God's good intended purpose. And we know the story. With sin came chaos and shame and division and destruction and death into God's creation. And we're still living in the reverberation. We see it all around us. But PCC, while God's design was shattered in the garden, that design was not abandoned. God worked through history culminating in the life of Jesus himself. And we see through Jesus the DNA coming into creation to bring about goodness at the resurrection. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 14 to 15. Here's what it says. At this, she turned around, she being Mary, to see Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Now, this is an important part. Thinking he was a gardener. Why did she think that? Because she was in a garden. Jesus was buried in a cave in a garden. Sin entered the world through the garden, and goodness would be restored to humanity in a garden. She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. I'll go get him. It's no accident, PCC, that the resurrection took place in a garden on the first day of the week. The resurrection was God's definitive statement that he hasn't given up on creation, but rather through Jesus, God inserted into creation's DNA the antibody for sin and destruction. Biblical goodness is the restoration of what's been broken back to God's original intent. That's what God wants to do in every life, in every relationship that is yielded to Jesus Christ. Friends, when we are illuminating the light of the Holy Spirit, we'll want to restore what's broken in our world. So let me ask you this question, and I want you to just think about it. We're not gonna pause, but plant it in your mind. Where is the Holy Spirit prompting you to bring restoration to our broken world? You know, today's Orphan Sunday in the church world. And PCC is really involved in the fight for orphans to be in homes. We're, in, we're part of a campaign called Be the Light. And you can go to our website and you can discover about Be the Light. But I want to encourage you in this area to do good in three areas. To pray, uh, to consider fostering a child, many in our church are, or to support our PCC foster families. Again, that is a good application to today's message. All right, here's the second aspect of goodness. 
Do you forget the first? Biblical goodness is restorative. Here's a second. Biblical goodness is confrontative. It's confrontative. It lovingly stands up against evil and injustice. See, goodness is not passive or complacent. If we align with the goodness of God, we will confront evil, not with violence, but rather lovingly, humbly, persistently, and prayerfully. We will take back what sin has stolen in our lives, in our relationships, even in our culture. Making right what is wrong. Friends, this is the Christian ethic for justice. And it's why we value at PCC seeking social justice. Again, let's turn to the scriptures. Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? It doesn't get more simple than this and more clear than this. To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. Romans 12.21 says this, Don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And then I love Galatians 6, 9. Sit in this one. Let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Way back in 1770, Edmund Burke had the famous quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men, and I would add women, to do nothing. See, goodness says this, not on my watch. It steps up and it stands between the oppressed and the oppressor. It stands for the cause of justice in the world. That was the heart of Jesus in coming to earth to save us. And that's got to be our heart on this earth to rescue others. So last time you're going to break up, I want you to take 90 seconds and answer this question. Where is God calling you to do good in this regard? Welcome back. As we close, we're going to close with a verse we use every Christmas Eve. But let's look at it in a different context right now. Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 14 to 16. It says this, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a light lamp and put it under its bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Now stop right there. How does Jesus equate light with good deeds? And they glorify your father in heaven. See, when Jesus talks here about light, he's calling for lives that are attractive by being filled with goodness and mercy and love and compassion and justice. That kind of practical goodness, that will draw people to Christ and ultimately to know and glorify God the Father. Friends, it's our good deeds in a culture of brokenness that sets us apart as Christ followers. Living lives that are radiant, breathtaking, and a portal to the goodness and redemptive power of God. PCC, there is brokenness and sin all over our culture, all over our church. And literally because of COVID, the lights are out in the church building. But the light is shining in neighborhoods through the church like never before. What if God used us to bring order and flourishing in 2020 where brokenness abounds. I don't want us to settle for just cultural goodness, which can be an excuse actually for complacency. Listen, our mission is not to follow Christ in a complacent way. It's to passionately follow Christ. So I'm asking two things from every PCC, or here's the first, to repent, repent of our complacency. James said this, faith without works is dead. In a world of brokenness, we can't remain passive. According to God, that is never a good use of your one and only life. So would you go before the Lord today and ask God to forgive you for areas in your life where you've been complacent when it comes to goodness, or you've just been virtue signaling that you're a good person, but doing nothing about it with your life. And then secondly, I'm asking every PCCer to put your faith in action. As you are rooted in the soil of the Holy Spirit, as you are plugged in and electrocuted by the Holy Spirit, let God illuminate you and join Him in His restorative goodness plan for our world, especially now, especially now. This Christmas, we're going to give you a ton of opportunity for this. Our theme this Christmas is A Weary World Rejoices. And you're going to hear about projects of goodness. We're going to spread hope and goodness at our grammar schools through Kennedy and Henry Ford Christmas. Nine years in that partnership. You're going to hear about a toy drive and a special outreach called the Police Initiative to bring goodness to our police force in our city. So let me pray for us as we close. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for almost 70 years. Lord, we have waxed and waned, but we have stayed with it in our quest to be good news and to proclaim good news to our city, to our peninsula, to the world. So Father, bring conviction on us as your followers. It starts with the church. Where do we need to repent? Where are we complacent in our culture? 
in our relationships, in our very church. And then, Father, where are you leading us? Just say the word. Show us a direction. And may we walk in it. We love you and we thank you. Lord, may our lives shine in such a way that people see our good deeds. And don't glorify us, but shake their head and go, what a God, what a God, and turn to you. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.